You are listening to the Equip Podcast. This weekly course seeks to equip our church, and we pray it can help you as well. Check out more resources at rockycreek.church. Okay, so welcome to Pneumatology 2, and tonight my topic is on what does the Holy Spirit do? And so I don't know if you've ever asked the questions or not, but some of the questions that I put up on the slides have you ever pondered the work of the Holy Spirit? I know we talk about the Holy Spirit, and I know, we've, you know we, we believe, particularly as Baptists, that, the whole, that, that there's one God, three distinct persons, one God, and we, we believe that and we study that. But have you ever pondered the work of the Holy Spirit? Like, like what does He do? Like, what is His role? Uh, you know, we have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. And so tonight we're going to dig in. What does He do? And so we're going to dig into that. And so, so some of the other questions that I have are, have you ever considered that the Holy Spirit was present with God at creation? That's one of the things I love, absolutely love to ask our students. Um, when we talk about Trinity and when we talk about um, creation and stuff, I often want to just say, let's talk about something mind-bending for a moment. And that it's just not God by Himself there. It's God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit there with Him at creation. And I, I mean, I don't know if you, if you really dig deep into Genesis 1 through one through three, particularly the first part, one, one and two, you will, st- I mean, you really start to go, wow, the Trinity, and it's just mind-bending. And we can try our hardest to get our minds wrapped around that. I don't know about you, I still, my mind just does not wrap fully around it. And maybe it's because we're here in this flesh, whereas once we're, as Paul says, the, looking through a glass dimly, when we get there, we'll be able to understand better. But we have enough from Scripture to understand that the Holy Spirit was there and so how does he work in the both Testaments? How does he work in our lives? What are some of the things that the Holy Spirit does? And so, um, moving on. How is he working in your life? Like, do you ever think about how he works in your life, in my life? Do you ever sit around and look and see? You'll, you'll pray. Like, we, we just prayed, probably all of us today in gospel groups, for a specific event in someone's life, for a specific um, grace in that person's life or or an answer to a prayer in that person's life and to sit back and watch God do something that you and I can't explain is really really miraculous um, like today we were talking particularly with students we were talking about prayers and we were talking about praying and, and somebody's uh, one of the things in this morning's lesson was that one of the students said was um, what do you do when when you pray and then you don't see anything what do you do and of course, well, you keep praying, you persevere in prayer. Well, what do you do when you don't sense the Holy Spirit's presence? Well, you pray and ask, you seek, and you keep seeking after Him. You keep going after Him. until You grab onto God and beg Him for His presence and for the Spirit's work in, in your life, in my life, and in other people's lives. You don't give up. That, that's what we do. Now, do, do we get discouraged in that? Because maybe, like the teen said this morning, that that God didn't answer her prayer, and I was like, well, not yet. You're putting God on a, on a answer right now or not at all. No, you don't tell God or the Holy Spirit or the Father when He does His own bidding at His own time. But we as followers have to trust, and even this morning, as Ben Johnson um, prayed, sometimes you pray and you may not get an answer. If you were at the 9 o'clock service, Ben, ben talked about that this morning. He goes, you may not get an answer right then. And so does that mean you give up hope? Now, in our flesh, we're going to struggle with that, right? Because we're sinful. 
So what do we do? How is he working in your life? What is so amazing is when you're praying for something and then you watch and the Holy Spirit do something in somebody else's life, miraculous, whether it's salvation, whether it's them growing in their faith, whether, whether they had a moment of just a spiritual growth moment in their life. I like to see it with teens. Sometimes with teens, I'm bringing them into this for a second. They tend to go in cycles a little bit. Like you'll see they'll come in in early middle school and then you'll see a bump in their faith sometimes. And it doesn't happen like this all the time, but... but you go to the camp, you do the retreats, you do the this, you do the that, and you'll see a bump in their spiritual life. And then there's this time of moving from transition from the middle school to high school. You might see, you know, and then they get in that middle high school and it's just a struggle because they're trying to find out who they are. It's an identity thing. And, they're, and, you're, and, and we're constantly pushing them. Find your identity in God. Find your identity in Christ. Find your, like, seek the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Keep seeking those things. And there's a struggle there. It's a battle going on. Battle for the mind. Battle for the soul. Battle for the... It's a lot going on. But then you see, like, boom. One of them's called out to missions or ministry. And it's like they just surrendered. Well, that was the Holy Spirit's work in that person's life. They didn't do that on their own. The Holy Spirit had to be doing something in their life. God was moving and working in their lives in ways that we can't explain. So, here's a definition for you. Definition of the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. So God, the, the Holy Spirit does a lot in, for, in, in our lives, in the church's world, and as we as believers are going out and ministering to other people, He does a lot in that. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. This definition... The work of the um, this de- uh, the next slide. This definition reflects that the Holy Spirit is the member of the Trinity and represents Him doing work, doing God's work in the world. So the de- that definition, work of the Holy Spirit. So just that title. What does the Holy Spirit do in in this study that we uh, you see on this? Um, does it say pneumatology at the top? Yeah, pneumatology at the top. That's the study of the Holy Spirit. Travis started that I think a week ago. And so, that's this study right here, pneumatology, they're in a section of most systematic theology books. If you were to go get a theology book that studies the doctrines through the Bible, you're going to get to a part that, st- that talks about um, the doctrines of the Holy Spirit. They're gonna, I mean, they're going to talk about the doctrines of Christ, what does Christ do, the work of Christ. It's going to talk about God, His attributes. And you're going to get to a part in here that talks about this, the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's going to go further, as Travis probably wraps up... Um, if I'm not mistaken, he'll go all the way to what is called eschatology. So here's a preview for you. It's going to go all the way to eschatology, and it's going to get into end times. And so uh, that's going to be exciting. I, I, that's always, we, we always want to talk about that. And, and here's the thing. The Holy Spirit's presence will be massive, massive work at that time too. But right now, we're studying what does he do? How does he work? What is his work? What does he do? How, how does he do it? Well, so the definition reflects that he's a member of the Trinity. So he's God, God the Spirit, and he represents him doing work in God. This represents him doing work in God, of God's work in the world. So a lot of this, I don't know, and I think I mentioned this a few minutes ago to you about um, creation. I don't know, maybe growing up, I didn't equate the two together about God's creative work. In creation, I mean, the Holy Spirit's uh, work in creation, but the Holy Spirit is present in God's creative work to bring creation to being and to infuse life 
into the subjects. We're going to talk about that in a, in a few minutes a little more in detail. So here's, here's what um, this author, Michael Bird, says. I like to read this guy. He's an um, author from Australia. He's a theologian that lives in Australia and writes books and teaches. He comes over to America a lot. And so um, here's what he says. He goes, the Holy Spirit is present in God's creative work to bring creation into being and diffuse its life into its subjects. That's where Michael Burt says. And so that's, a, that's an interesting thing, God's creative work. So it's not this idea that just the Father does it alone, it's the Trinity. So here we are, back evangelical Baptists, still going back to that idea of the Trinity. And you may be here, may not be a Baptist, or you may be another denomination and be here, but, but regardless of which denomination you affiliate with, it's hard to get away from the fact that we, that we as Bible-believing people that call ourselves Christians can deny the fact of the Trinity. That's hard to deny that when it's so evident in Scripture. In fact, um, if you go to Jesus' baptism in Matthew, that is... Here, here you go. Just as a side note to this, if you go to Jesus' baptism in Matthew, when Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, so here's the Son getting baptized, you hear a voice from heaven saying, here's my son in whom I'm pleased, and then others seeing something like a dove representing the Holy Spirit descending on him. That is what we would call a Trinitarian passage. So that's a passage that is a wonderful passage. If, you, if people go, uh-uh, they do it in different times. They, they work at different times. Fa- the Father was here at one point, and then... The Spirit was here for a little while, and then Jesus came, and then everybody was gone, and then the Holy Spirit comes, and then now He's working, and the others are gone. No, there, 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 there's lots of uh, people that would come up with things. That's not true. That's called, there, there's a form of that. Uh, a lot of people would call it, there's a form of it that people call modalism, where it's in different modes He does these things. Not so, because how do you explain the Matthew passage in Jesus' baptism? The Father speaks. The Son is baptized. And then the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. How do you explain that? That's, it's amazing. And, and God gives us that in Scripture, as we know, and we can believe that. Now, do we fully understand that all the time? No, I don't. I mean, it's hard to wrap my mind around and, and get it like we talked about, but it happens. So, moving on. So, the Holy Spirit was hovering over creation in the beginning. If you go to Genesis uh, 1 through 2, it says this, The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Again, there you have this idea that the Spirit was involved in creation. So one of the works of the Spirit is creation. He, he, he was there in creation. And so Psalm uh, 33, 6 says this, The Spirit and the Word were involved in creation together. That's what so he, it describes. Psalm, Psalm uh, actually John, John six sixty three describes the Spirit as the giver of life. Here's what it says: It is the Spirit who gives life. John's John six sixty three. That may not be on your notes, but I'm just throwing that one out there for you. John six sixty three. You can write that down if, if it's not on your notes. Here, some of you've heard of this guy named W. A. Criswell. He used to pastor this church back long time ago in uh, Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. Here's what here's what Doctor Criswell said. I know, he's an he's a older, older uh, theologian and pastor. I, I found this quote, and I thought this was good. It is clear that the divine spirit is not a creature, but takes part in the act of creation. The Father creates all things through the Word and the Spirit. So again, the idea that the Spirit is part of creation and creator. 
And uh, Job 33.4 says this, The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. I think it's another one. Yeah. The, the Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Job 33.4 And jo- Wow. Imagine that. Job. Uh, most of us, and if you've ever studied Job's life, like, wow, at the things that he went through. And here he is attesting that, it's, that God is his Savior. God is the one who made and the Spirit is the one who breathes life. And so, again, creation. All right, now, moving on to the next subject. So, one, the Spirit creates. Two, the Spirit illuminates us for salvation. Like, we don't wake up one day without the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and just go, I'm going to choose God today. There has to be some kind of work in an individual's life. Like, so I go back to my testimony. So when I became a Christian, I didn't just wake up one day. So I grew up in a preacher's home. My dad was a pastor my whole life. And there were some events that happened. I won't, for the sake of time today, go into all that. But there were some things that happened that, that led up to me finally sitting down and going, all right, I got to, who is God? Am, am I really what a person would call a believer? Do I have the Holy Spirit living in me? There's no evidence of that. And so through a period of time and things going on, I didn't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to get saved without the Holy Spirit doing something and bringing conviction and bringing opening blind eyes. Like, and that's, that, and that's some of the people that we're praying for, by the way. If you have someone in your family or me and my family, which I do, and... Most people, actually, I know have somebody in their family. We, we're praying that the Holy Spirit would convict them and open blind eyes and that they would receive Jesus Christ. As I, look at, as I look at some of our friends that are missionaries, what do they do? They spend their lives overseas doing things, and they're, they're over there working. Now, our friend Taylor Wolf and Jess and them are not going to just go till some ground, and then somebody goes, well, there we go. They helped us plant a garden. I'm going to accept Jesus. Today. The Holy Spirit starts doing something in their lives to where blind eyes are open and conviction sets in. And then that's where Wolf and, Je- and Jess step in and share God's wonderful gospel to where they have the opportunity to receive grace. That's how it works. That's how it works. And so illumination, this, this word illumination, don't get mistripped up by that. It refers to salvation or something greater or yeah, greater understanding of Scripture. And so here, here's what Acts 26, 18 says. And this is, this is where, Jesus, where he's talking about sending the Holy Spirit. He goes, The Holy Spirit is sent to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, place, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I'll read that again. To open their eyes. This is Acts 26, 18. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from, po- the, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified, sanctified by faith in me. They, you have to have that. You have to have that work of the Holy Spirit doing something in your life and in other people's lives. And it's okay to pray to God to ask for that. Like, so when there's a person that I pray for. So when I pray for this person, it, it's not just, God, I hope they just turn from their sins. Well, no, you want the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Like, we don't want them just to do good things. You do not want them just to get 
get, get this idea, well, if I can just do good things, God will accept me. No, you want the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, helping them and empowering them, which we're going to talk about, to get them to that point of sanctifying them so that they are in right standing with God. The Holy Spirit does so much. Like, it's overwhelming. As I was studying this, it's overwhelming how much work He does that we may not even understand, nor can we comprehend it all. Like, as we're meeting tonight, other churches, this morning with Brett Plyler, I'm looking at Brett, a friend of mine right there, he, he leads worship. Brett leads worship. Well, this morning, as, as we had Ben speaking here and others speaking here, Brett was leading worship. As Bryce just got through, the Holy Spirit was moving and working in people's hearts and lives at that moment. Maybe convicting, maybe uh, growing into sanctification, maybe helping understand greater Scripture. When Trav preaches, so here's, what, here's something that we can do every single Sunday. You can pray for your pastor while he's on stage and he's preaching God's Word because Travis is bringing God's Word and, his, and, and God's truth and you're praying that the Holy Spirit would be strong in him and bold in him and he'd be full of the Holy Spirit as he teaches us that he's a vessel and a tool as he's telling us what God would have. Nothing. Pray for him. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your men. Like, that's a great thing to do and ask that God, that the Holy Spirit illuminates, opens, gives greater understanding. So the Holy Spirit gives life. Uh, he convicts men of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He calls men to the Savior. He affects regeneration. And so our Baptist faith and message, if you're Baptist, that's, that's even something that's in our Baptist faith and message. That He convicts of righteousness, of judgment. He calls men to the Savior. He regenerates. Again, back to that idea of salvation and regeneration. You can't have it without. John 16, 8-11 says this. Uh, I had it right in front of me. I don't. Oh. No, this is the next one. John 3, 4 through 5. Nicodemus said to him this, How can a man be born again? Y'all know the question. Nicodemus goes to Jesus. He's watching Jesus. He goes, Wow, Jesus is like doing a lot here. Like, how do you, what's going, like, how can a person be saved? Like, I'm a religious leader. I'm trying to do all the right things. It's that whole idea of doing the right things. And he's like, Well, <laughs> how can a man be born again when he's old? He has to be born again. Uh, yeah, John. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless he is born. Right there. So like, that's kind of, and of course Jesus is like, you a religious leader and you don't know this? You teach these things, you go and you study the Scriptures and you hear these things and you don't understand these things? Part of that is he didn't have the Holy Spirit at that moment. Possibly. He couldn't understand it. Because natural man doesn't understand until the Holy Spirit comes and lives in their lives. So, part, when the Holy Spirit comes in a person's life, and they're convicted, so in my salvation, when, when, I, when the Holy Spirit was convicting me, my eyes were open. A, a conversion happens where a person turns from their sin, from their self to God. So I hope everybody in this room has experienced that. That would mean that you are what we call saved. We use the church terminology. You're saved. You know, are you a Christian? You know, we use that terminology, but, but, it, but, but it's conversion that you're turning from self and from sin and from your way of doing things and trusting God through God's Spirit working in you. And so without the work of the Holy Spirit, there'd be no conversion. 
No conversion. If, if they, they would, you and I would have no hope without him. Like, how in the world would we do that? Because then we would be like Nicodemus. Well, I just want to do good. Now, I will say, we've got to give Nicodemus credit. We've got to give Nicodemus credit. We think that, you know, you go read the historians, and I don't want to presuppose anything, but other religious leaders at that time was like, yeah, we would just reject that, which is Jesus going to the cross, dying for man's sins, and they just missed it. Could you imagine that, being on that side of it? Whew, that would be tough. So without the Holy Spirit, there'd be no conversion. Regeneration in a person's heart is the miraculous transformation of the individual. Jesus makes it clear. He makes it really clear to Nicodemus that regeneration is a supernatural occurrence and the Holy Spirit is the agent who produces it. He's the one. This is part of his work. That's what he does. That's what he does. So, Anthony, there's another guy. So, uh, uh, periodically through this, I'm going to give you some quotes. And so, there's this guy that I like to read. Another guy I like to read. I read a lot. Some of you probably read a lot also as well. Um, there's a guy named Anthony Hokema that I like, and here's what he said. He said, the chief role of the Holy Spirit is the process of, of our salvation to make us one with Christ. Part of his job. He comes in, he helps open blind eyes as we've talked about, and he does those things. So, John 3.3 3 is another one. Acts 11.15-18 through 18 as well. The Holy Spirit is the agent who is involved in two aspects of our conversion, repentance and faith. Can, can our family members, you know, just wake up and haphazardly go, ah, I want to be like that without God doing, doing something? Can they do it without repenting? I, I try to get students to understand this majorly and, and to, to truly understand you're repenting of your way of life. You're repenting that your way is not best. You're, you're submitting that God's way is best and faith. And in, in Acts eleven fifteen. Here's what it says. In regard to Cornelius and his household, here's what, here's what the Scripture says. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as, one, just as, just as on us at the beginning. And I remember that the word, of, the, the word of the Lord and how He said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as He gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? This is Paul. When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. God has granted repentance that leads to life. So the Holy Spirit has to do His work in order for that to happen. So, God, uh, Anthony Hokema again, he goes, God gave these Gentiles repentance, however, through the Spirit who had come upon them. Um, another quote by this guy named Millard Erickson, and here's what he says. He goes, We are initiated into the Christian life there, there it is. We are initiated into the Christian life through the Spirit's activity in our conversion and regeneration. So, first, Holy Spirit's work in creation. Second, Holy Spirit helps us with salvation and understanding Scripture. Now, moving to the next thing that the Holy Spirit helps us do. The Holy Spirit, in the indwelling Holy Spirit, helps us understand Scripture. He lives in us and He reminds us of the truth. John 16, 13 when the Spirit of truth comes, that's what the Scripture says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He is not to speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me. Obviously, another part, Holy Spirit glorifying the Father. For He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. 
So when the Spirit of truth comes, He guides you in all truth. How, how is it that you and I, if you're a believer in Christ, can go to the Scriptures and we can understand things? Sure, we go to commentaries. We, we, uh, some of us, me, I have to look up Greek stuff. That's not my strongest. Uh, tra- By the way, I don't know if you know this about Pastor Trav, but Travis is really good with Greek, or at least, I mean, he's taken a lot of Greek. Greek in languages was not my strongest thing. Uh, I have some different disciplines that I'm really strong in. Travis is really strong in Greek. So if you ever want to know, like, real words to things in the Bible, you need to talk to Travis because he, he does a lot of study with that, and he knows where to go to get those. Um, but, 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 but the Holy Spirit lives in us, and He guides us in truth. That's how we as believers, when we go to the Scriptures, we have the Holy Spirit, and we can ask the Holy Spirit to give us understanding of what we're reading. And then we have Christian authors and theologians and commentaries through being strongly influenced through the Holy Spirit has written really good things to help us understand those passages through those commentaries and through those Greek, understanding the Greek and the Hebrew and, and a lot of stuff that comes. That's why when you have somebody like Travis or, or some of your pastors here that, that, that study and they study and say they're trying their hardest to give the best representation of, of, tri- of Scripture to God, of, of God to us, to you, to I, to, to me, to others, to the whole congregation, to those who come in a gospel presentation, in understanding Scripture, in, in, in dealing with those areas where it's tough to talk about, constant asking the Holy Spirit to give us greater truth and greater understanding. And so, the indwelling Holy Spirit helps us understand Scripture. Now, I know some of you are going to go, well, can't two people who both have the indwelling Holy Spirit study a topic that may not, it's not going to be a fundamental topic, because they should be on the same side if it's a fundamental topic, like salvation. But, but study a, t- a topic where both of them could, could have a disagreement. Sure. Not a fundamental one. Not one on salvation. Not one on creation. Not one, no, no, no. Not those things. But, but, but like secondary issues or how this should be done or that should be done. Absolutely. I have, I have people on my bookshelf that take different sides of things. And here's the thing. Both of them, great people. Both great theologians and Bible scholars. But yet both would disagree. And here's the thing. I don't know which one absolutely. I mean, and again, secondary issues, not primary issues, not the Bible, not taking the Bible and going, is this true? No, that's a primary issue. Not taking salvation, not taking creation, not taking the, the Trinity, not, ta- not those issues. Like, like taking whether the church should meet in here or the church should meet up there or whether the, I mean, lots of second and third issues they would have disagreements on, but not primary ones. And you need to make sure that when you're, when you're looking for people to read and study, you need to find people that, that have a fundamental understanding, and, and I would say a conservative one in my opinion, of God, of the gospel, of the truth of Scripture, and take it as inerrant, meaning it's, it's infallible, There's no, this is God's Word, it speaks God's truth, and you would want to listen to people that do that. Because times are not the way it was probably 30, 40, 50 years ago, and you could listen to someone who would, what I would call Scripture twist, things and you want to make sure that, that you don't want that don't you want somebody that's going to tell you the truth that tells you the truth whether you like it or not then you need to make sure that you continue to find those things so here's here's he reminds us of truth and john 14 uh actually john 16 13 says this when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you in all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he he, he hears he will speak and he will declare it to you all the things that are come. John 14, 17 says this. 
Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. That's that idea of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So when you... So again, I'm reminding you. When you trust Christ, when you turn to God for salvation, and you trust Jesus Christ's work on the cross, the Holy Spirit indwells, lives with you, in you, helps you. Now, there's a part of living that, you know, when we sin, and, and I'm... You know, we break that fellowship there. doesn't mean that we're not saved because every one of us, particularly those of us in this room that are Christians, if you made a decision for Christ, at one point right after you got saved, somewhere you probably sinned. That didn't mean that you are not a, a Christian anymore, that you, your, your profession of faith was negated. No. It just means that you broke fellowship there with your sin. And so there's a process, thank goodness for God's grace, to be able to come back and say, God, I'm sorry, I want to be made in right relationship with that. The Holy Spirit helps with that. Because if we do it on our own, we're going to do everything on our own and we're going to leave God out of it. And thank goodness for conviction in that, right? If you don't have that, how do you repent? So t tell me God's not a genius. To do what? No, tell me, I mean, He's a genius like because He knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows that we're going to be prone to do that. And He puts that in place so that, so that we can come back to Him and that we're able to do that. Um, here's what, here's what um, another theologian, R.C. Sproul, says. Um, I, I saw this quote. I was like, man, that's good. He says, The Holy Spirit is our supreme teacher of the truth of God. He is the one who convicts us of sin and of righteousness. Thank goodness for that, right? Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness that He's the one that convicts us of sin and of righteousness. So, the Holy Spirit, another part of the Holy Spirit, just by way of reminder, He reminds us of truth. Next, the Holy Spirit lives in us and helps us, as we just got through talking about um, the indwelling Holy Spirit. In the trials of our life, Jesus promises help for believers. He promises help for believers. The Holy Spirit is our, John, the Holy Spirit's our helper and counselor. By the way, I am going to throw a Greek word out. and this, Travis didn't help me with this one. <laughs> um, but there's a word... That, the, that Jesus is talking about when he uses the Greek there, and it's called another helper. I'm going to send you a helper. The, the, that original word is the word parakletos, parakletos, which means helper, counselor. And he lives inside you and I. You're not by yourself trying to live this Christian life. We have a church. We have our, the Holy Spirit. We have each other. And, and part of that helper, he comes in and he does this stuff. He reminds us of truth. He helps us in our walk. And He indwells in us. And so the Holy Spirit's our helper and counselor. And here's what John 14, 16 says. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. This is, this is, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. And, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. We don't lose that. So when, you, so when you accept Christ, He indwells. He lives. You repent of your sin. He lives inside you. He indwells. He's with you from there on. It's awesome. I think, I think that's awesome. That you, even though you and I would probably say, well, we feel alone at times. We feel abandoned. And even as today's sermon reminds us, we're not. And last week's sermon, we're not. He's there. We just don't understand because we can't see from an eternal perspective like God does. But we know and we can trust that the Holy Spirit's there. And so even in our trials, He promises help for the believers. He promises help. We're not alone. We're not drowning by ourselves, even though we feel like it. The Holy Spirit's our helper. That word right there I said a minute ago, that's that, 
This is what that word meant. It was like a defender, a strengthener. It's to assist people in times of trouble. That's kind of like a definition for that word as it's translated. A helper. And we all need it. We all need it. I know I do. I, I, I'm the, I, I know I need it. I need it crazy. I need it all the time. Not just because I work with teenagers. Because some people in here would say, well, you need it because you work with teenagers. No, you just need it. I, I think you need it in childhood, teens, which are <laughs> rough. But then adulthood, young adulthood. What about, just, what about just turbulent times? What about the times when life just doesn't go the way you want it to? Do you not want to know that, there's, that God is in your corner? When other people may be telling you the wrong thing, trying to get you to look the other way, and the Holy Spirit is pur- just constantly purging you. Lean on Christ. Lean on God. Trust in Him. Now, is it easy at times to do that? I do not think so. I think sometimes it's hard. As, as we heard this morning, I think it's hard. So, the Holy Spirit lives in us and He helps us. He also gives us assurance. This is great. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us assurance and gives us evidence of the, God, of the work in our lives. Like he gives, us, he gives us that assurance of His work in our lives. Romans 8.16 says this, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 1 John 3.24 3, says this, Whoever keeps His commandments abides in God and God in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us, the Spirit whom He has given us. How is it that you know when you go talk to someone, particularly you meet and y'all are talking about things of God, you'll under, it won't take too long. Well, sometimes it can. But you should be able to have a discerning enough, you start talking with somebody. Like, I, here's an example. I was talking with somebody and I was like, hey, so tell me, you know, you, you claim to know God, you claim to know Christ. Yeah, I do a lot of good things for God. And I said, yeah, okay, yeah. All right, but tell me about yourself. They, they could never get to the part where God saved them. They just kept talking about, well, well, I was just reared in a good home, and I learned how to do good things. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I was like, that's great. You've got that part worked out. Let's go back to the other part. Like, what about when did, when did Christ convict you of sin, or when was there a point in your life where you had maybe a testimony like Paul? Because Paul thought he was doing good things too, right? But he was not right with God until Christ revealed himself to him. So where do we get to that part? Let's get to that part. And they couldn't seem to get there. And so that, t- that gave me an idea. I wasn't judging them, but it gave me an idea. Maybe they don't have a testimony. Maybe they don't have a testimony. So you keep having those conversations, and then, and then you're able to hopefully press forward and go, have you ever received Christ? Like, you've got the good thing. That's great you do good things, but standing before God and going, here's my good things. That's not... That's not it. It's standing before God and going, I'm only able to stand here because of Him and His, His dying on the cross for my sins. His atoning work on the cross and me accepting Him. That's it. That's it. And out of that is where the Holy Spirit gives us that assurance. Rome, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so as you have those conversations, be mindful of that as you talk to other people. I think I read this, but I won't read it again. First John four thirteen. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. So the Holy Spirit lives in us. I love that. That's a great verse. Because He has given us His Spirit, He lives in us, and 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 He does a whole lot. 
He is at creation. We talked about He indwells. We've talked about how He reminds us of truth and opens up our eyes to Scripture. He talks about how He gives us insurance. That in and of itself is a lot of work. And we're not going to cover in, in this one hour that we're here, or 45 minutes that we're here, every single aspect. The Holy Spirit does so much. But we're, my goal was just to hit some of the major things that we can walk away going, wow, look at... If, if, if we don't have some type of understanding, maybe my hope was tonight that we have some greater understanding of what he does. But, and this is piggybacking off of what Travis uh, got through doing last week. And Travis said he threw a lot last week. Travis was like, I, I batted. He said, I came with a load. And I said, well, I'll, I don't know if I'll bring that much, but I'll bring some. Because Travis brought a load on the sheet because we were talking about it. And he said, yeah, I, I brought a load. So, so I'm, I'm coming and just filling in a little bit after what Travis already, he already hit the grand slam. I'm just, I'm just hitting the, I'm just up at the bat. And so we know that, that, that we have him because he abides in us because he gives us our spirit. So next, the Holy Spirit sanctifies. This is another great part of our Christian walk and Christian life. The Holy Spirit works to sanctify believers. And part of that sanctification process is us. So sanctify is that process of us growing in Christ. This is probably one of those things as a, as a youth pastor and as a student pastor working with students that trying to get them to understand that it's not about going to camp and having a um, one-week experience. Uh, that's probably one of the things that as I work with students, I try to get them to understand, look, your sanctification, when you've made a decision for Christ, is an ongoing life process, and you're going to get stronger and stronger and stronger, but it's not that one-week at camp that does it, and then you don't come back home and read your Bible or pray or, or grow in your faith at all. Like, you don't live one year to one year for your spiritual faith. That, that's not sanctification. Sanctification is you're continually, throughout your weeks, throughout your months, doing what you can. Not that, you fail, not that you're perfect at it, because we all fail, but you're growing in Him. And here's the thing. Sometimes you're going to face hardships in that, which, and God allows, for that growth process to happen. And it's not easy, but it's a process. And then you look back as you get older and as time goes on. And if you remain faithful to him through that, you can look back and see those moments. And you'll also be able to see, if you're like me, you'll see those moments where you bombed it to. Like, I, I'm, I'm able to look, I, can, I can go to you right now if I wanted to get really confessional and start going, I bombed it there. I got discouraged there and thought, okay, he's just, he's not doing anything. He's not, right here's where I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I should have did what... But you don't focus on, you go, thank you, God, for your grace, and you keep going on. Because it's His grace and His Spirit to work in your life and in my life that keeps us going and provides sanctification. So, sanctification is the continued transformation. That word, transformation, of moral and spiritual characteristics so that the believer's life mirrors that in standing with God. You want to, really? You want to look like Jesus. There. We'll sum that up. Look like Jesus. Walk like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Have a heart for God. Have the Holy Spirit's life moving and working in you as you grow more like God. That's really what that big word, theological word, stands for. Process in growing more like Him. Um, Romans, um, Romans 8, 1-17 says, this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. This is the Bible. But if Christ is in you, although the, Bible, the, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dwe dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That is packed with a lot of theological stuff, is it not? That's a lot of stuff. But, here's what, verse 10. But if Christ is in, in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit that dwells in you. That's, that, that's God's promise that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and is with us as we walk and as we talk and as we go about our lives and as we come to church and as we fellowship with other believers and as we go through the trials of life. Because everybody in this room, we could write books right now on everything that everybody in this room has been through. Anything that has ever scarred you, anything that's ever been painful, anything that's ever or maybe even continually painful that you're going through, right this moment, we all could write probably books and books and books about. And yet one day, it will all be made fresh it will be all be made new it will be any tears will be wiped away we have we do have future glory to look forward to but in the meantime you're here and we're here to encourage each other to walk in the spirit as we walk in as we walk and talk and grow in our faith and to tell others about jesus so that they can have that same assurance of faith and that they can have the opportunity to have the holy spirit living inside them as they walk in this earth i mean who 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 in here would not ever, or, or even, I don't know many people that just do not want the best for somebody else. I mean, that's just pure evil not. It's just, it just is. But, it, but, but we sit back and we look at people in our society, and we look at people in our culture, and we look at people in our families. You want them to know Christ. I do. I do not want some of the people I'm praying for, I, I, don't, I do not want them to continue in their lifestyle that they're going. I do not. My heart is, I want them to know God, and I want them to know purpose, and I want them to know peace, and I want them to know that God loves them, and that He has a plan, and that His Holy Spirit will give them assurance that one day, when this life, after those how many ever years they have, is gone, that they get an eternity of blissful peace with Jesus. That's what, I, yeah, I wish that. I want that for me, which I already have that because I've trusted Christ. But, but that doesn't escape what we have to go through here. We live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world. But the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. That. But you, you know one of the greatest things that we can do when we're telling people about Jesus, pray for His Spirit, Holy Spirit to be in us as we're um, telling someone else, as we're evangelizing, as we're worshiping, as we're, that the Holy Spirit helps us. And in that process, He sanctifies us, grows us towards to be more like Him. Um, here's what Wayne Groom, another guy that I read sometimes, actually a lot, Here's what he read. Here's what he says. He goes, since this member of the Trinity is called the Holy Spirit, it is not surprising to find that one of his primary activities is to cleanse us from sin and to sanctify us and make us more holy in our conduct, conduct in life. One way that we can know that the Holy Spirit is moving and working in our life is you can look back over time and see how he changed you. Because it won't be us doing it in and of ourselves. We can look back and see how, what he's doing in our lives and how he's brought us through things and what he's doing in our lives. And we can see that, and, and we can see the struggles in that, and we can see how He saves us from those, and how we go, God, help us in that. Help sanctify us. We, we want to be holy, and we want to be that in conduct in life. But to look exactly like the world with our actions, and then in our mouth come to church and be like, woohoo, praise Jesus, we love you. But then not, that's a, that's a problem. 
that's got to get solved in believers' lives. And the, and the hope is that in that process of sanctification, if that's going on, if they're a believer, that those two things are getting reconciled and repentance is happening and they're, they're changing some of the behavior. Or they need to come to a realization that they need a first-time relationship with Christ. There's something going on there. I, I, I try to tell teens this all the time. If, if, if we were to ask somebody about you, this is what I ask them. If we were to ask somebody about you, are they going to say, yeah, I know that person loves Jesus. Or is it going to be, well, <laughs> I can't tell a difference. That would be a problem. Because we're called to live differently. We're called to be different. And so you may tell you, uh, one of them asked me a question today. What do I do about my, my Muslim friends that, that I go to school with? I said, oh. I said, so you've already shared what you believe about Jesus? And they said, yeah. I said, okay. And I said, y'all see that there's a difference. <laughs> I'll be a major difference uh, in, in their belief about Jesus and belief about God and the Bible and all this. I said, now your job, love them. Love them. Have a friendship with them. When something happens, be there for them and speak truth in love when those opportunities come. And don't waver from your faith because they have a different faith. I was like, if this, if, if Christ is what you, if, if you've accepted Christ and you're living for Him, then you be bold in your faith. I don't care if there's four or five Muslims in there. Like they, like they're going to share with you what they believe. You can share what you believe. Love them. Treat them like Jesus would treat them. Love them. Tell them the truth. Get, help them if they're in need. Treat them like that. And, and through that process, we hope that the, that the Holy Spirit is growing believers and growing us to be more like Christ in that process. So, life in the Spirit is what God intends for us as Christians. And Paul says this in Galatians 5, 16. But, but I say, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. And so, the next thing, the Holy Spirit empowers us. As you know, as we've talked about all this stuff that I've just kind of thrown a lot, the Holy Spirit empowers us and disciples us for various ministries. And so, because, because of that, to proclaim the gospel, preach the word, evangelize, lead in worship is part of the ways that He empowers us. Uh, evangelizing. You, you being a believer going to your job and just being a believer, being in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, loving God, and asking Him to give you those opportunities to be a friend Love others. Love those you disagree with. Be a friend and share the truth in that process of that relationship. And so Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The wolves know that one. The wolves know that one. Paul writes in Ephesians about how the Spirit, Holy Spirit empowered his ministry. Here's what he says in Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit into your innermost being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and rooted and grounded in love, and that you may have strength and comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God and empowered to use your gifts, which we're going to talk about really fast in just a minute. Here's a quote that I found from this guy uh, online. I'll, he said this, The well from which we get the power to live for God will never run dry no matter how many times we draw from it. The powerful presence of God in our lives is not a one-time thing. 
It's eternal. How cool is that? I think that's great. It's not a one-time thing. You don't just get it one time and, whoo, I did my one check off for God. No. It's eternal. It's walking with Him. So, the Spirit helps empower us with believers. The Spirit helps empower us with believers. All right, next. The Spirit develops us with fruit. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in the lives of believers. Through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We, you, you've heard this faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things, there's no law. So, obviously, when we become believers and we trust in Christ, he, the Holy Spirit develops this in us. As we grow, as we are sanctified, as we come, become closer to Him, He helps develop those things in us. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And he, he equips us not only with fruit, but He equips us with gifts. He equips us with gifts. One of the ways the Holy Spirit equips a, a person is through the bestowal of spiritual gifts. And this spiritual gifts is an empowerment from God for God's people through the Spirit for the spiritual work in the church and in the world as we go about and we, as we witness. So these spiritual gifts. And I'm going to be able to show you some Bible verses. You don't have to write these down. If you want to see me afterwards and you need it, or if you want to take a picture of these, because um, our time's getting close to ending here, um, I'll have this up and you can uh, get a picture of it if you need to with your phone. But like, here's in Romans 12, 6 through 8, here's some of the gifts, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, acts of mercy. These are some of the gifts. When we become believers... The Holy Spirit gives us gifts. You have a gift. And if that means you need to talk to um, Joy or Travis or Jeremy or somebody like that to be able to help you with a spiritual gifts uh, test that you can take to help you identify your gifts, please do so. They would love to. I know Joy was talking about that not too long ago, even on our staff, as we've taken multiples to see what our spiritual gifts are. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-11 talks about wisdom. These are the gifts of knowledge, faith, prophecy, the ability to distinguish spirits. And of course, this one is such an interpretation of tongues, which is, which is you have multiple variations of people that believe different things on that, whether it meant this. or whether, Remember earlier when I said that, that there's people that are theologians that one would believe this and one would believe that, and both are good Bible-believing, loving people, but yet they just have differences of opinion on that? This is going to be one of those definitely right here. When you really dig, we as Baptists tend to have what we, you know, have, we have our belief on that without going into a great deal of time tonight on that one. So the next one, next slide, Ephesians 4.11, these are the, here, he gives the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, obviously, you know this one from the, from the talk about your leaders on staff. These, this is where this comes in right here. He gives some that are evangelists, some that are preachers, some that are uh, teachers, some that are, that are, that are um, pastors. And in First uh, Peter four eleven, speaking and in service is some of the gifts that he bestows. You, ha if you're a Christian in here, you have a spiritual gift, and so the church can help you find out what that is. It could be serving, it could be teaching, it could be th this, or it could be that. We're, what we can help you, we're here to help you be able to to identify those things. Next slide. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're bestowed on the church. They're for the edification for the whole church body. First Corinthians twelve twelve. No one person has all the gifts. By the way. So if you think, aha, there's the Superman of spiritual gifts. No, they, they might be talented and gifted in a lot of things, but that doesn't mean that they have every single spiritual gift up there. They're going to be, my, my Greek professor said this, 
uh, a New Testament professor when I was in school. He said, what's, what's really unique about so many people is they're so good at so many things that they don't know what their primary gift is because they're so good at so many things. But, but the Holy Spirit has bestowed gifts out and no one's going to have all of them all at the same time. And so, and, that, and, you, and you can go to, the, to 1 Corinthians 12, 7, and here's what that says in regard to that really quick. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given. Not the whole bundle, even though they may have some, doesn't mean they have all. Nor is any one of the gifts bestowed on all persons. All the gifts are important, by the way. So if somebody's good at speaking, that's their gift. If somebody's good at serving, that's their gift. If somebody's good at pastoring, that's like they have their gifts. You know, the difference between a hand, you got to have a foot, you got to have a hand. Here's the foot and here's the hand. The hand doesn't run. The foot does. The hand does other things. So you have to have the different things. The Holy Spirit apportions the various gifts to whom as he will. And you can find that in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. Lastly, I think this is it. Nope, the, the Spirit unites us with others. So moving quickly through this, the Holy Spirit unites us with the church. And it's for the, um, the Holy Spirit produces love in our hearts. You can find that in Romans 5.5 5 and Galatians 5.22. 5, in fact, Romans 5.5 5 says this, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. The Holy Spirit binds everything together in unity. That's a thing. So here, here's, a, here's something you can be reminded of. If you're in an argument with a believer and y'all two are two believers, the, God does want harmony. That doesn't mean that one person might be right, one person might be wrong. Actually, both may be wrong. You ever thought about that? There could be two that's wrong. But the issue is finding a peaceful way to move forward in harmony. The Holy Spirit produces love in our hearts. And, and being able to move forward in that. The Holy Spirit binds everything together in perfect harmony. Colossians 3.14, Above all these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So when the Holy Spirit is working strongly in the church to manifest God's presence, one evidence will be a beautiful harmony in the church community that overflows with love for one another. Did you, did you get that? It's a quote from Grudem. He said this, one evidence will be a beautiful harmony in the church community that overflows with love for one another. If you're in a church that has a lot of hatred for one another, something's not right. Something's not right. It's not right. But if you're in a church that loves people and loves others, not that they're perfect, but loves people and loves others, you might could say, as long as the, the, the Holy Spirit is evidently working there, if the gospel is being preached, if the things of God are being done right, it, like you have to match it up with the Bible, of course. But if those things are, are there and there's a love for one another, there's a strong, strong um, possibility that God's Holy Spirit is doing something mighty in their life. And we would like to think that that's happening here at Rocky Creek. If there's a love for one another, a beautiful harmony in the church, overflowing with love for one another. So here's the, here's the conclusion and we're done. All the slides that we talked about, all the stuff, we talked about how the, the Spirit creates, illuminates, reminds of truth, provides assurance, sanctifies, empowers, develops fruit, equips with gifts, and unites with others. That's a lot. And that's not even every single thing. That's just an overview. I mean, if you really dig into lots and lots of deeper study from smart, smart, smart people, 
they have written on this for years, and you go back to the old historians and theologians of, of the days of old, you'll see there's a lot of stuff to this. And so bringing this all together, that's a good summary of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. But you know what He is? He's a friend. And we all need a friend. And God is our friend, and we can trust in that. We can trust in His work and His sanctifying work to help us be- to, to become more like Christ. And thank God that He, that he does it this way. Because we couldn't do it on our own. Nobody in this room could do it on our own. No, nobody. As much as I love superheroes, if you know me, if you know anything about me, you know I love superheroes and all this kind of stuff. I'm a little Marvel fan and all that. Like, there's not a superhero. Like, like in Christianity, like, we all have different gifts, and we're supposed to use those gifts as we're gifted and appreciate the gifts of other people in that process because God created us all different. If, if God wanted one gift to be all, He could have made, you, you know He could have done that. He didn't do that. So we've got to be mindful that everybody in this room has different gifts and God has equipped us in different ways. And, and, and knowing Him and walking in the Spirit and growing in Him so that we can, can use those gifts that He's given us, the greatest to our ability with Him working in our lives is what we want to do. We want to live for Him and walk with Him and know Him and, and let Him do His work through us that we can't explain. But you won't be able to explain it. Well, that was God. Even Travis and I had a conversation not too long ago, and I was like, how did, you, how did you do that? He goes, God. He goes, I did not do that. And I was like, wow. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I was like, wow. So let's pray, and then thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, letting me be with you tonight. It was an honor. And so we'll pray, and then uh, you're free to go. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the, our time together. Uh, thank you so much for this study, even as we still try to wrap our minds around the Holy Spirit and and His work in creation, both in the, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, how He works uh, even in, in today in believers' lives, God, that, that, that He glorifies you, that He glorifies the Father, and that God, He works, uh, works with the Son. We, we go back to Jesus' baptism. What a beautiful, beautiful representation of the Trinity as, as, as we talk about His work, the, the Holy Spirit, even in our lives, God. Thank You for loving us, forgiving us, and, and th- thank You for choosing to use us. And uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Equip Podcast. Make sure to check out rockycreek.church for complete notes and additional resources. You can also subscribe to this podcast and get weekly courses delivered to you. We hope to equip you for the work of the ministry.